Welcome to the Set Yourself Free podcast, real stories from ending emotional abuse and taking your life back. I'm your host, Carrie Beach, owner of Set Yourself Free. I'm a life and success coach that believes we all have limitless potential within us if we have the right tools and support. Trauma or past hurt might be a part of your story, but it doesn't have to be the entire story. We all have different versions of what freedom means, and I'm here to help you unlock your perfect version of it. Join us for season two, where we follow four extremely courageous women who share their stories of what it actually takes to get to the other side of trauma and abuse. Through their stories, you will know that you are not alone, that shame only grows in secret, and that it does get better on the other side. By hearing their stories, you will gain insight, tools, and practical ways that you can access the power inside of you. All of the magic is waiting for you, and we simply need to tap into it. These women will give you the courage and strength to find your freedom. Let's dive in. What did you do to take steps to leave and or get help initially? Olivia. So I think initially, gosh, I I really leaned on a lot of my friends. Um, I remember like the weekend after Mavi was born, um, my ex was like, I have to fly to Vegas for a show. He's a a music producer. And I was like, what? Like we literally (laughs) just had a baby. Like you're leaving. And like, I never really... Like there weren't often like photos of the show. Like Mm. this was one of those things where like I knew if I looked and dug a little bit deeper, I would find something I didn't want to find. And I must have energetically not been ready because if I had looked hard enough, I know I could have figured it out. But I think part of me subconsciously was like not ready to find out the truth at that point. So I was like, okay, goodbye. Like, and so I had one of my best friends, Stephanie, (laughs) she's like my kid's auntie, I guess you would call her. Like she would come over and help me a lot. And then um, business was really picking up at that point. So we ended and and I started thinking like, okay, maybe I'm putting too much into work and too much into the kids. I need to get some more help. So we moved in a live in nanny, like when my second son was three months old and I was like, okay, this is going to be the thing that saves us. Right. Like she's mm-hmm. going to clean the house, take care of the kids. We'll be able to have like nights and weekends out again. And maybe that's going to be the thing that like brings us back together or like whatever sketchy shit he's doing is like going to dissipate or whatever. (laughs) I mean, she did help tremendously with the kids and the house, but like nothing changed in our relationship. I mean, I think we went out a little bit more, which was fun. Like we always had a good time together. I think that's the thing that I forgot about. Like when we had first broken up was like, we actually were really good friends. You know, we, we enjoyed a lot of the same things. We got along pretty well. We were often on the same page, like Mm -hmm. with a lot of components of our relationship. Um, but it wasn't, and none of the help was enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, I mean, I didn't really, I couldn't really tell anybody either. I had told like one person in my life, my business partner, actually, like she's probably the only person who knew everything, like my suspicion. Cause she would be like, why are you like always on edge? Hmm. And, like, it's cause I just have like postpartum anxiety, which I think was a part of it. Sure. Um, 
I think that was definitely a part of it. Like the first year after you give birth, like I was talking to a guy the other day whose wife is like nine months pregnant and he's like, she's really like not doing well. And I'm like, you know, pregnancy was fine for me. It was, it's like the first year after the baby that for me was like, you don't know yourself. You don't know your body. Your head is always spinning. You're literally so exhausted. It's like, you're a different person. And so I would just blame that. Um, for the most part, but she did know that like, I think I'd be like, I think something's going on with him. I like, I, maybe I'm going crazy. And Mm. Shelby, it was a pretty slow journey. (laughs) It was a really slow journey. I'm, I always say I'm kind of a slow grower, but you know, I've learned that, you know, I really have quite a, um, a load of trauma that I've been carrying as many of us do. And so slow has been good for me overall, but I chose a college that was uh, super cool and it was all, I was the youngest person the whole several years I was there. Um, And it was just a very outdoorsy place and people really cared and they were really genuine. And so I got to make real friends for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. And I remember actually being introduced to yoga there Mm -hmm. for the first time ever. At the time I didn't know it was actually like a mind body experience. I just thought it was a movement practice, but it it opened a door for me to start being interested in things that were outside of the mainstream, both being in that very alternative college. It was called Prescott College in Arizona. And then, yeah, so being surrounded by people who were into things that were very far from mainstream on every level. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that started opening my mind to, there's more options out here than what I have known. And I just kept getting lucky, just being handed opportunities to, to do dance workshops, for example. You know, I really fell in love with dance and find my, my body a little bit more and find a little bit more joy in moments like that and also in the outdoors. And then um, but I've, I've been in therapy since I was 13, pretty steadily, mm-hmm. but I didn't start finding it working until probably late college and beyond. And uh, I think, you know, the way that people offered therapy changed where they were learning a bit more about how to support people who were experiencing symptoms like me, or maybe I just found someone of the right fit. And this woman is still in my life. She's not my therapist anymore, but she also stepped in and was one of those people that said something really needs attention here. Like mm. very validated my experience. She wasn't alarmed, but she was like something you got majorly missed. And she, she stepped in into that place and helped me learn a little bit more about what maybe love felt like or support felt like. And that was when things started to pick up. And then I found Buddhism shortly after that. Mm, that's so so magical to hear. And I relate to that piece so much because I think that's what's missing for so many people in their trauma and experiences. It's like, you don't need to be fixed. You don't need, you're not broken, but you do need to be validated and you do need to be seen and heard. And without that, like that's where so many people stay in the cycle because they aren't able to come out of it because they haven't been seen for what they've been through. It's an amazing piece that gets missed so often. You know, when I, I teach 
yeah. coaches and therapists who have already be, been trained. And sometimes I feel like I'm teaching things that are really, really simple. Like, why are people even handing me money? Yeah. <laughs> but that's one piece. Mm. And so many people learn that. Mm. Like, it's really just empathy and validation. And they'll go work with their clients. And all of a sudden, they're like, things are shifting. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is the biggest magic tool that has worked in my life. And still to this day, you know, when, um, you know, when I have a partner who's validating my feelings and not saying you shouldn't be feeling that and validating my history connected to those feelings, it's, we can be in connection so much faster because my whole system just goes, yes, you see me. Thank you. Totally. And I I could not agree more. It's like this magic that I want everyone to understand because, you know, and and sometimes, you know, it's, it's having the tools and the resources, which a lot of people don't, of being able to preface something with like, I just need you to see me. I don't need you to say anything. I don't need you to fix me or to try to fix me, right? Like a lot of people don't have those tools or ability to say that. And that's where sadly, more harm can sometimes come because somebody needs that, but they don't know to say that that's what they need. And then so somebody else on the other end is so well-intentioned, like, right, you see someone in pain and you want to help them. You want to fix whatever's wrong because that's just our human nature, but it can be re-traumatizing. Oh, completely. It's actually violent, in my opinion, uh, um, because we're not with what's right here and right now. And we're not letting the person in front of us be enough and be human. And we want to feel helpful. So it's more about our agenda. Yeah. And, you know, those of us who have particular kinds of trauma, there's no way we could know to say, I need acknowledgement. I need validation. I need this particular kind of empathy. And it could sound like this, like anytime someone says to me, it makes sense that you feel that way. I immediately trust them a lot more. Mm. And it's the easiest phrase in the world. And it's the hardest thing for people to say. And I could have never known that I needed that because it was never once modeled for me, never once. And so as helping people, we have to know that it's so simple, but it's so profound. I love that. And yes, like same for me when I first was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be seen. And oh, I'm not crazy. I'm just in need of being seen and validated for my experiences. Yeah. Otherwise we just like, for me, I just dug this deep hole of I am difficult. I am crazy over and over and over again. And it was so not true. And I never got to learn that until like maybe last year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which I love because I'm like, we are all just humans, works in progress, figuring all of this out. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, I've been in my clinical profession for over a decade and Uh, Yeah, I'm still very human and I still run into my stuff every day. Elizabeth. I um, continued to be in deep suffering (laughs) for a long, for several months. Spoiler Mm -hmm. alert. Um, It it wasn't the hardest. Everything prior to that was not actually the hardest part. Like all the hardest part came kind of after the awakening piece. and I, I didn't understand that he was not a um, healthy, functional human. And I thought we could, 
I believed his lies of like, everybody can be independent and I love you and I want you to be okay. He does not. <laughs> um, he does not want that. Um, and uh, I, th- I tried for a while to like figure out a divorce amicably and he faked me along for a while. And then eventually um, was trying to like have sole custody pretty much. Or he wanted me to keep living there and mm. just be divorced. And I was like, mm. oh, my, at that point, my body was awake. I was, I was like, oh, heck no, you know, and uh, I can't do this. And so I found a lawyer um, and talked and, and filed. Um, and that like upset the, the commune of like, we can't believe you didn't trust us and you wouldn't get our help. But at least one of the other people there is also a sexual predator of children. Um, mm-hmm. They're just very steeped in the ideology, and you know you're in a cult when you can't think anything different. You can't say, "Well, I'm choosing I, uh, something different," and have the support. And mm-hmm. nobody. I had to live there for eight months as I was dealing with legal stuff, and nobody ever supported me. Like, it's clearly mm-hmm. not a family. It's clearly a cult. So, right. um, so I filed with a lawyer. That lawyer ended up being terrible, and I had another lawyer, and I had her for a while, and she ended up dumping me because I couldn't pay her fast enough. I was like a payment plan. Then she just decided. And then I got another lawyer who was terrible. So the lawyer saga was not that helpful, but here it's part of it. I understand it. If just, I'm saying it in case anybody's experiencing it because my ex was trying to track things out as long as he could and tap all my resources and break me, break me, break me, trying, trying, trying. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a big thing. Um, and so I didn't fully understand for a while, like what was happening, but I knew that I was still like so deeply miserable. I didn't, I still believed even some of the illusion of them caring about me and that it could be okay. And that, Mm. right. Like I wish I had just like, boom, moved out, like not tried to work it out or been like, Oh, my son, this and blah, blah. And just like found a hard lawyer and been like, okay, like I'm moving to this place and you know. Um, done it differently, but I was trying to be um, understanding, and it was too, it was too scary. It was too scary. yeah. Well, of course. I mean, you had so much so much going on, and to expect mm-hmm. you know to just like pick up and leave the next day sounds great in theory, but in reality, like yeah, it was, no, it was very scary. Sarah, well, the first thing. That I want to say the first thing I did was, this is kind of an interesting, uh, this is kind of an interesting thing. So when he moved out, I think that he was doing it to punish me. <laughs> like I was like, he was, he believed that he was punishing me like, like, oh, I'm not going to live here anymore. So that, so letting him do that was like, kind of like my first thing of like, okay, I'm just going to let this happen. I'm not going to try to convince him to stay. If he wants to believe that he's punishing me, like, so be it. And like that, I think started to set things into motion because I had a little more space. I had a little more time. I had a little more, it took some time, but I was able to at least reclaim like some mental clarity that got me to that point in March, you know, where I did leave. So that was the first thing. I think the second thing was spending less time with him, like just really practically speaking. Um, Thankfully, he decided to live somewhere that was very far from my house. (laughs) I tend to live on a side of town where 
like people kind of, it's, it's very, it's about 30 to 40 minutes from most of like kind of the, you know, like well-known areas of, of where I live. So, so that, that was the second thing. But the third thing, um, there was a really traumatic thing that happened in February and that involved, he gotten like long story short. Um, and I, I don't think I can really like share these kinds of details, but I'll just say it was, there was something that he got in trouble for. And there was something that happened that was so traumatic for me and well for him too, because watching somebody else experience trauma is inherently traumatic. Right. And that was when I knew like, I need to, like, I need a professional to like, I need to process this with someone. Mm -hmm. And so I had a good friend who, um, it's funny. I had like written this, you know, those like bad day Facebook posts. Like I've had a bad day, like (laughs) I had a terrible day, like send me anything you got. And so this good friend of mine who happens to be in an amazing relationship and like, as it turns out, an incredible abuse recovery coach, she reached out to me and she was like, yeah, I've seen some bad day posts, but yours seems like there's something deeper going on here. Like she just had that like instinct to, uh, to say that to me. And I said, yeah, you know, I know this is where you would normally offer like a girlfriend chat, but I'm telling you right now, this goes way beyond <laughs> like what we can solve and just a like, oh, let's get on the phone and like talk this out. And so I hired her to help me process that. And then what ended up happening was I came out of the, you know, like abuse closet, so to speak. Yeah. So that's, that's how, you know, like that's, that's how. And I asked her, I said, how much time, like after I told her about how violent he was and how, you know, I was afraid of him and all of that stuff. She, I said, well, like, how long do I have? You know, she said, you've got about three weeks to make this decision because if you don't within that time frame, it, this is going to start to become your new normal. And if that's what you want, mm-hmm. like I will continue to walk with you, like no matter what decision you make. But, you know, she's like, I've been through this with people so many times. Like mm-hmm. if you don't do it within a couple weeks, you're at risk to stay longer than you probably would. And I said, okay. (laughs) Like I was not, I thought she'd say like, oh, you know, a couple months or something. And I was like, oh shit. (laughs) Three weeks. Cool. (laughs) I was like, all (laughs) righty. Like no problem. And I was not, I broke up with him before I was ready to, but it was, but I'm so glad that I did. So Mm. that's the process of how that happened. (laughs) I mean, what a gift on so many levels that someone, A, saw you, right? Like, because I think like that to me is such a theme and such Mm -hmm. a, just an amazing gift that we have when someone is able to see us. And it's when we feel the most shame or the most scared or the most whatever, and someone sees us and reflects back to us like that there is no shame. And is able to step into that place, right? Like you're, you're trusting your gut. You're putting a post out just because you need some love. You're in a bad headspace that day, obviously more than Mm -hmm. that, but you just put it out kind of in that light. And then she was able to see that 
and be like, no, 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 something deeper is going on here. You know, and that's just such an amazing gift that you were then able to say like, yeah, you're right. I need more help than this. Like, thank you. Yeah. And at at that point, it was like, I mean, when you have like, when you experience a really traumatic event and I won't go into the detail of the story just because this feel, if I did tell exactly what happened, basically what happened was there was a situation where he basically like got taken away (laughs) and I thought I was never going to see him again. Mm. So, um, it was, and it was an immigration issue, which Mm. he didn't have, like he, his legal status was completely fine. There was no reason Mm. for him to feel any threat about that. But, um, yeah. So I, and I, I thought I was never going to see him again. I thought, shit, like he's like, that's it. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And it was harsh. It was fast. And neither of us really saw it coming. And it was awful. And like, that's what I initially, I needed help processing that because it was of all the things that I had experienced with him, that was still somehow the hardest, which is mm-hmm. so strange. And yet it, it's just true, you know? So, yeah, yeah. but that was like my breaking point where I was like, you know, flat out on a bare mattress, like depressed, like could barely function, like was sleeping a lot. I mean, it was a really traumatic event <laughs> that happened. So it's just, I don't know. It like, I don't know what would have happened or how things would have unfolded. I think I would have left eventually anyway, mm-hmm. but that's part of, you know, what happened that really took things. It made, it it made things happen a little faster, both fortunately and unfortunately. Right. Because I mean, now you can see it as a good thing, but in the moment, as you were saying, you're like, oh shit, I have three weeks is what you're telling me. Like, like that's terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying. (laughs) It really was. And I mean, it's, it's not like, I don't know that I would still say that I would look back on that experience as a good thing because mm-hmm. I imagine he's still wrestling with the trauma of that. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone, not even somebody who hurt me in ways I never thought that I would ever tolerate. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but seeing somebody that at the time that I still believed I was, you know, that I felt love towards go through something like that was is probably one of the hardest things I've ever experienced. And yeah, both unfortunately, unfortunately, it just made things move along a little faster, which is so weird to say that, but it's just part of how things unfolded for me somehow. Thank you so much for being here and listening to each of these brave, brave souls. I am so grateful to get to do the work that I get to do in this world. And it's just such an honor. So this week, I hope you gained as much as I did from getting to be in these stories with each of these women. And I get really, really fired up about this topic of finding support, of getting support, and what that looks like in terms of releasing the judgment, releasing the guilt, 
or the shame or the stories that the world wants to tell you as weakness of getting support. And I have to fight these stories in certain areas of my life as they come up. But my highest and best self knows that the most supported version of myself is able and capable to do so much more. And so why I would ever think I need to do it alone, I'm just not sure. And I'm so glad that each of these women is willing to share what it actually took to get support and to reach out for help because it's often scary and it's not second nature for a lot of them. And they are willing to be honest and talk about it. And I really, really want to break this down in the way we talk about things, the way we talk about a strong woman or a woman of service, and that you are allowed and encouraged to get support. It's such a bullshit belief and lie that any of us do it alone. None of us are self-made, like literally none of us. Relationships are essential to anyone and everyone on this planet. And so my encouragement, my hope is that you would listen to this episode and you would be willing to look at your life and decide on how you could be better supported and reach out, do the scary thing, find a place in your life that you know you would thrive as a result of getting support. Or maybe you're just barely getting by and it's terrifying to admit the mess in your marriage and the toxic relationship that you're in because you fear it means something about you. And I'm here to tell you it doesn't. It does not. But I'm also here to tell you that you are worthy of a healthy relationship. You are worthy of healthy boundaries, of being loved and seen and heard. And so there is no shame in where you are, but also decide if where you are is where you want to be. And if not, be willing to take those scary, scary steps to get support to get help so that things can change and you can live as the free being that I know you are meant to be. So thank you so much for joining us. Cannot wait to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Set Yourself Free podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here supporting me and supporting these incredibly brave guests. If you can do me a favor and take one minute to share this episode with someone that needs to hear it, I would be so grateful. And if you are willing, please go leave us a review. Each month, I will be choosing a reviewer to give a free session to as a thank you for listening. One thing I know for certain in this lifetime is that we will forever be as sick as our secrets. Shame has no ability to grow when we share our stories in safe places. I'm more encouraged than you could possibly know by those that are willing to speak up and help all of us know that we are not alone. So don't forget, head on over to my website at setyourselffreellc.com, grab your free journal, and book a free 30-minute call with me 
to talk about the number one mindset block stopping you from the life you want and one thing you can do this week to shift it. Thanks again for being here and we will see you next week.